0: Hey guys, before we get into the episode, there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you, real quick, about some upcoming events. One of them being from one of our sponsors, the Nate D Foundation. You might remember Nate's mom, Tiffany, from episode 84, where she shared the memory of Nate and how he was lost to a fentanyl overdose. And you can find more information on them at nate-d.ca. On June 24th and 25th, they are having their annual Nate D Memorial Slow Pitch Tournament in Aldergrove, BC, at the Philip. Jackman Park and Omerdome. Now, the tournament itself is full, but if you happen to be in the area, you can stop buying, you know, buy into one of the raffles, make a donation, check out some food, watch one of the teams that, that have paid to get in and support this great cause. Remember, what they do is to send individuals who couldn't otherwise afford it abroad for trauma therapy, and even locally for some counseling and therapy for people that, again, couldn't afford it. They do really great work, guys. They support the show. And you know if you could support them, that'd be great. If you're not in the area, consider going to the website. That's nate-d.ca and making a donation. To show your support that way. The final mention for upcoming events is you might remember Joseph Fourier from episode 94 and 95 and how we talked about losing his son Harlan Fourier to a fentanyl poisoning. With the pain of bad loss, he has started the No Thanks, I'm good campaign and they are having an awareness walk and rally to bring awareness to the high number of fentanyl poisonings and deaths in our communities that is in winnipeg manitoba on june 25th starting at 12 o'clock at the odita center now they don't have a facebook page or a website yet but they are getting to that in the meantime if you've got any questions don't hesitate to email me ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com and i'll put you in touch those are a couple great causes to support and if you can please do thanks for listening guys now on to the show
1: Mama, I got bad news, bad news, I've been rolling with some bad dudes, bad dudes, I've trying to get a to, a to, I'm just
0: doing what Hello I listeners. Had Welcome had to, to the Ashes the to Awesome, mama awesome mama Podcast, Rising in Recovery. A podcast providing light, hope, and understanding about addiction and mental health to those living within that life and the people who love them. This episode brought to you
1: by the Nate D Foundation, where their goal is to raise funds to allow individuals to attend trauma therapy and treatment. Learn more at nate d.ca. So today, today I don't have a funny story in mind, though something might come up. I've been revisiting a lot of old friendships lately. In, in episodes previous, I, I've mentioned why well I, you know, I start mentioning the characters in my stories, and some of them are fucking crazy, but I, I've been get, revisiting these both literally and 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 mentally right and i just want to talk about about these friendships and, and about how cool kind of life can be sometimes you know and and maybe offer a little bit of background uh, as as to who i am in the process right it's the first time i remember looking at at, at my friends in a different kind of all uh, way, you know, like, like how fucking amazing they were. Uh, this is the first time I would hit rock bottom. And my two f- my two friends, uh, Dunright and Marshmallow, Dunright, of course, having come up in, in the previous episode, and, and Marshmallow has been mentioned, but hasn't really had a, a real part in all of this. And with that said, it's time to reach out to him. So that said, anybody here that's listening, uh, you guys are all, you know a bunch of my buddies or whatever. If you're still talking to Marshall, tell him tell him to get in touch or send him a link. Tell him to fucking listen. You know, I'm sure he'd be interested to hear this stuff. So, anyway, I just hit my rock bottom. Um, this is 1999, my first good go around with with crack there, and we, me and my my girlfriend at the time, fuck, she needs a mention, and I can't come up with a nickname that's gonna be funny but not insulting and deserving of somebody who put up with so much of my shit for so many years. And I really need to come up with something for her. Ah, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to call her red. That's what her dad used to call her, so That's what I'm going to call her too. So, um, i have been talking to her the last couple of days, just kind of catching up. Uh, she's married and, and, and quite happy in her marriage and all that now. And I'm, I'm like sincerely very happy for her. And so anyway, I'm going to go back to, to, to where I was. I am at the end of the, like I'm getting to my first rock bottom and, and, Fortunately, at that time for me, my rock bottom was maybe not as as low as some other people's. But you know, we've been smoking crack, and, and Red and I woke up in, in a house with no power, and we hadn't had power for a week, maybe more. I don't know. I think at that point she had been doing rails, maybe not even that. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was doing those a little bit. But lawnmower and I, we were like we were cracked out real bad, real hard, and. I remember waking up with no power. It was June 8th, 1999. I still remember that very clearly. And saying, what the fuck happened, you know? And where Marshmallow and Dunright come into this is, it wasn't that long before that, a few weeks, maybe, maybe, maybe maybe more than that, six weeks or something. But they had both done something that at the time, and I couldn't tell you what it was. I think it involved Red, but they'd both done something that at the time I took great exception to. And I remember looking at them both uh, when they were at the house or calling them or something or I, saying to them, you know, I'm going to fucking kill you next time I see you. Right. Like I was mad and not justifiably. So whatever it was, whatever it was, I remember thinking that was stupid. And so we woke up in the house. There's no power. We're, we're on the verge of eviction. I've been smoking a ton of crack Poor Red, she'd partied a little bit, but she never got into it the way, you know, into the partying the way I had at that point, you know, for sure. And I just said, enough, enough's enough. And the details are kind of blurry about what happened then, you know, it moved out. If it wasn't that day, it was damn soon after that anyway. And we ended up living in, in another one of her parents' basement suites, which wasn't the first anyway. And... I remember thinking back about about Dunray and Marshmallow, and these two guys had been two of my very, very best friends, and and I remember feeling such shame at the way I had treated them. And it took me some time. I, it, was, it was probably a few weeks after that. They were living in a basement suite together, not too far from, from where we were, and I remember just showing up there and knocking on the door, and I can't remember which one of them opened the door, but and you got to keep in mind. I mean, neither one of these guys is you know the type to to back down. Well, maybe a little bit. The marshmallow would be, but um, Dunright certainly told me to fuck off face to face in a heartbeat. You know, he wasn't afraid or anything like that. But at this point, I mean, I'm a big boy, and, and back then I was in pretty good shape too from from being a mover for so long. And and again, the last thing I can say to these guys is I'm gonna fucking kill you, right? So. I still remember the opening the door and this look of "ah, oh, shit here it is. Right. And not so much fear as, you know, <laughs> you can see the fight or flight response kind of dialing in, in on them both. And I, and I guys, I am sorry. I need my friends back again. And this, and this, this, this thing happens over and over again in my life and how freaking blessed I am for it. Both of them. Okay. Like, not a damn thing had happened, you know, like nothing had happened. And I, I cleaned up. I gave up crack from that part for 19 years and nine months. I, I gave up crack from, from, from that point on. But the way they just accepted me back in, like, well, yeah, everything's fine, man. <laughs> you know, right? Like, and here's the thing about addiction. Here it is. And, and to the loved ones of addicts and to the friends of addicts, I want you to think about this because this is what's going on in the addict's mind. It's absolute shame. It's embarrassment. It's, you know, you want to reach out so bad. You want your friends back. You want your family back. And you just don't because you're, because you can't, right? And even though, you know, you know, your son, if, if you have a, a, say a son in an active addiction right now, and he's running around fucking his life up, you know, when he shows up, you're going to love him. He probably knows that deep down too, but that's not the way an addict's mind works. an addict's mind where an addict's mind is full of demons, right? they are full of these demons that will fight you at every, uh, every corner, every turn. There's just when you think you've got a handle on it, when you think you're going to do better, there's always a demon waiting to fight, you know, and it's a constant war when you decide to get sober, especially in the beginning. It's horrible, right? Like it's, it's, uh, there's so many factors working against you, um, almost all of them from within your own mind, right? But hey, the power of the mind is, is a crazy thing. And they'll look for that bit of weakness and all of a sudden they're chirping at you and, and chirping at you, you know, to, to try and get in. And and one of the big one of the bigger demons is that one of shame that, that prevents you from reaching out to people. And and so so that happened that time. I from that point on I, you know I I'm gonna say just sniffing coke but that's the most relative thing a person could possibly say about any drug because sniffing coke and, and smoking crack are, it's like a thousand dollars a day in difference right so when I say just sniffing coke I'm not minimizing the seriousness of that addiction whatsoever it messed with my life differently just not as fast it cost me focus it cost me money it cost me relationships for that 19 years and nine months right so I'm not trying to minimize that at all but I, you know, I, I stuck to sniffing Coke for, for all those years. And then my next real hard rock bottom was Christmas of of last year. Uh, so, that'd be Christmas 2021 now. Actually, no, that's not true. That's not true. We're going to go back like a year before that when I got arrested. And there's another story. Yeah, fuck it. Hey, let's tell that story right now too, you know. So, and this, shit, this shit's out of a movie. Um, I had... I had been selling coke in the city I was in for for some time, and that all entrepreneurial spirit that I, I spoke of a, f- a couple of episodes ago, um, it's always been there, right? And and I was selling coke again. Only this time, I had done it. We're going to use the word right, but it's not right. Please don't take it that way. I had done it differently, and and kind of positioned myself for more success. And I'd built up this hell of a business, right? A uh, business with quotes on it, of course. Selling coke in in the city, I was in, and I decided I would had enough. Mainly because I was smoking so much crack that business was starting to fail, and I wanted to sell the business and get out while I still could, and get out on top, and just quit and be done with the whole damn thing. So I had this this game plan. I was going to take my money because I got I got a significant a, a significant amount of money for this business I was selling it for. What? Well, yeah. why hide the details, right? I was getting $40,000 for it. And the deal was uh, that I made with the guy that was buying it. He was from out of town, actually. He was buying my business as a turnkey, my employees, if you will, phone number, the customers, the whole thing, right? So, he was buying this for, for $40,000. He was the plug, though, right? So, he's going to get to cut out a middleman and rake in some serious profit here. And it, for him, it was a great thing. And the deal was when he had paid me twenty, I would... Hand him over control of the business, and then he would pay me off at a per ounce price until you know, until the balance was paid off. So I thought, you know, whatever you know, we got down. We were at seventeen thousand. He he was he still owed me, and he gave me a call and he said, "Hey, here's the thing." And at the time, fentanyl in in the city I was in was going for four thousand dollars an ounce, and and easily right, like there was no problem selling it for that and he called me up and he said, Hey man, here's the thing. You want to take five ounces and we'll just call it square. You don't have to wait for your money and I can just get to to work, you know, on this phone the right way and whatever. And at this point Fenty was something that was like, I had been around it a little bit. I, you know, played a little bit with selling tiny bits here and there, but it wasn't a drug that I was, that I was working with and it wasn't a drug I wanted to work with, but I said, fuck it. Right. And, I thought this is hey, it's a fast route to get out and I can be done with this whole drug game and I could be a stepfather to to my girlfriend's son. My life was gonna be awesome. Right. I, I had I had a I had a business plan for what I was gonna do after the fact with the money to invest in my future and and travel plans and all that too. And I uh we set it up that he pick up or he, he sent it out to his his runner in the city I was in A peer later. pure later went and picked up this package and brought it to me. Uh, gave it to me in the truck, took off, and a minute later, whoop whoop, I get pulled over. At the time I think it's because I'm fucking texting, right? And you know what I'm texting. I'm texting one of the two guys that I'm about to go drop this this stuff off to take my 20 grand to be done. I am, and I shit you not, literally 20 minutes away from being out the game. Whoop, whoop. I get pulled over. Well, he wasn't pulling me over for texting. What ended up happening was they had been watching this guy's runner for three days previous and today was the day they were going to drill him, right? Today's the day they were going to pinch him and they saw me and own drug dealer meet up with him and thought, hey, let's scoop him in the net too, right? So, it was just it's really bad luck on my part. They pulled me over, they opened this sealed box, and found five ounces of fancy in it. And now for a quick PSA
0: brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment. They've been there and they understand.
1: Hi listeners, this is Lena. I'm part of the Ashes to Awesome team and co-hosted on episodes 76 and 67. Do you carry Narcan, also known as Naloxone? If not, perhaps you should. The kits are not only compact and easy to use, they are free at all harm reduction centers and a lot of pharmacies. By carrying one of these kits, you could save the life of somebody who loves and that is loved. I get that most of you never plan on being around opioid use, but there's no telling when it could be around you. I can't think of a good reason not to have it, and if you're not sure where to find it for free send us an email at ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com legwork for you and find it for free in your area. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. They immediately pulled over the other guy in in the cab that had been driving around for three days. So yeah, cabbies and shit now too. Went kicked in his door and found the mother load, right? Found the mother load. All these search warrants and everything were already good to go. Like they say, today was D-Day for this guy. And, My life ended right, right then and there. My life ended while I was in jail. My girlfriend at the time who I was madly in love with spent every dime I had stash, um, most of that 17,000, of course the 20,000 was gone, you know, forfeited to the cops. Uh, when I got out, I had nothing. I had nothing. I spent 30 days in jail until I could get bail. Um, eventually I was, I was given bail and I got out to absolutely nothing right like my business had been killed by, by my runners who went wild in my absence and the guy buying the phone had taken off so they had no no boss no leader or whatever anymore and they destroyed that and then my family see here it is here's that same thing here's that addiction thing the, the, the demons right to this day I've got it in my head that my family wanted nothing to do with me I don't know that I don't know that because I didn't try right like I just didn't try So, I mean, there's some, there's some weak effort made at my mom, but a lot of that was drug fueled (sighs) bullshit ramblings, really. At the end of the day, I didn't make any honest effort to get in touch with my family, but yet to this day, it's still in my head that that they wanted nothing to do with me with the benefit of hindsight and, and experiencing the true love that I have experienced from my family in in the last year, Ah, that was bullshit, you know, and, and really in, in, in this moment is the first time I've admitted that to myself so yeah I take this finish I'm looking at eight years I'm looking at eight fucking years 20 minutes away from retirement life was going to be great now all of a sudden I'm looking at eight years I got no money no family in my mind girlfriend's done with me um, mainly because you know her addiction had taken her past a point of no return the kids specifically her her youngest son who was everything to me zero zip i've not seen him since since the day you know since since i was busted for that and it, it destroyed me and at at that moment that was the beginning of a of a two-year rock bottom you know mm-hmm. i still had my name had customers and i was still trying to make a go of this this whole coke business thing but by this point i'm smoking crack again and i just could never pull it back together enough to make a go of it and and I slowly but surely just just fucked it all up like in the worst way you know now in the course of that two years and and this part's a little harder to talk about but not a Barbie foot face it's kind of encouraged me like about wanting to hear what's happened so, you know I hadn't spoken to her in five or seven years something like that either and, and she doesn't have a sniff and some of my close friends, do that I've gotten back in touch with, but nobody really knows, you know, what's happened. So I said in an episode previous about how I'd gone 20 years selling Coke, never had a goddamn problem. And then meth and Fenty came on the scene and the level of violence. Well, the first really shitty thing that happened was being robbed at gunpoint in my hotel room. And then an attempted robbery very shortly after that at gunpoint again, that time i just yelled at him fuck you until he left just had had enough and i was still a fighter at that point i wasn't um i wasn't broken yet and then i think really the next one after that was being shot at three times that one that was the beginning of of what is now PTSD. just fucking my head up eh? Uh, yeah i'd been shot at three times and, and I'll spare you the details lest the episode get way too long, but I'd hid under this bush. Uh, it was like October, something like that. It was cold, right? But I, I hid under this bush for hours until the cops left and, of course, the shooters were long gone. And I finally went home. And I, my, I remember my roommate, I'm going to call her Dawn, just in case she comes up in other stories. and It's not her real name. It's just a kind of a nickname thing between us. But waking me up every night for fuck forever and because i would be screaming in my sleep right and it was like the the first that was when ptsd really started to take take control of my life and then i wish i could say that was the worst of it it wasn't it really fucking wasn't a couple more robberies and, and now robberies become almost a casual thing at this point it could just you know, it's it's no less scary when it happens. You know, when you've got a gun in your face or a knife at you, or whatever. But it was it was fucking scary. It was just kind of seemed like it was routine. And and here's the thing: now I'm an easy target, right? So none of this shit is interlinked. By the way, not one of these instances has anything to do with the others. That's what's crazy. That's that's what the level of violence and everything. Like I, I'd gone 20 years with nothing, and then all of a sudden whole frickin' city is just, like, on fire. And the next really terrifying, horrible thing was was being set up by one of the gangs in the city I was in and, and being taken hostage. For two and a half hours, I was, I knew. I knew for a fact that I was going to die half a dozen times that night. And they were trying to get me to set up my plugs, my dealers for you muggles out there. Um, they were trying to get me to set up my dealers and, and I'd managed to kind of bullshit my way through that. Um, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. They kept hit me in the back of the head with this fucking gun. They were driving my car with me in the passenger seat and two of them were behind me. And there's nothing like no one you're going to die. I can tell you that much, you know. In the end, they ended up taking four or five hundred bucks, whatever it was, and my phone and my dope, and never did get at any of my dealers. I managed to to bullshit my way through that. So that's that. Uh, They left me alone in my car. I, I got back in the car, and well, it wasn't my car; it was a rental, but whatever. I went home and spent the next however many days hiding in my room and hiding from the world, right? So after that, a few more, a few more robberies, Um, ambushed coming out of, oh no, that was in between. So before, before the being taken hostage, I was ambushed coming out of my house in the back alley. Uh, I took a bat to the face and then a gun in my head, at my head to get the dope on me. That one was different because it was so loud and violent and sudden and that was not okay either. That one left me in, in really bad shape actually. So then anyway, yeah, the hostage thing and then a few more freaking things happened. And then most recently, um, I had, this is in the last year anyway, I had fallen off again. This is for any of you blog listeners. This is what happens. So, uh, I had fallen off. I was, I, I'd never, by this point, like in the last year, I never got as bad as I had, you know, before that. And, and every time that I kind of got back into it, I, I didn't make up for lost time. Like I said in a previous episode, in this, these times, it seemed to get less and less a part of my life. And what I attribute that to is for years, getting drug was a fun de- or getting high was a was a fun destination and then at some point in, in the middle of all of this it became an escape now and it wasn't fun anymore it was just a way to not be feeling what I was feeling right and I'm self-aware enough to know that that's not okay and so little by little like every time I quit it would get the drug use would become less and less of a thing right oh. But it was, but it was replaced with with PTSD, right? Which, if I had to pick between active addiction and PTSD, I don't think I could pick for myself. Somebody would have to make that choice for me because both are hell. Both are really hell. So this one happens after my blog, guys. When I when I stopped doing that um, in in the town I was living in, and a lot of you listening, um, at least from back then, will know where I was. What town I was in anyway, we got house invaded and it had nothing to do with me or dope because I had just a little bit of stuff. I was, by that point I had decided that I never, I I didn't need to be rich and I just wanted to be order pizza when I want to rich. Right. So I just keep things pretty small scale, but um, my roommate was kind of top of the food chain and due to a, a beef between her the guy she was working for and and another guy his ex-partner the guy she was working for went to jail the ex-partner took advantage of that situation and and came and into the house invasion or you know, set up a house invasion on us sent a bunch of people over and I'm sorry I just had to take a break um he sent these people over and they came, I, I woke up at like five in the morning or something to all of a sudden, like what the hell's going on? And they were in my room and waking me up and the next two and a half hours were, were really bad. They cleaned out like everything I had. They took the fucking change off my dresser. I, you know, my headphones, my phone, my everything and anything that I had, they took, they took my shoes for fuck's sakes. Hey, like, come on guys. I don't they knew exactly how much Coke my roommate had in the house and they couldn't find it. And it was well over $50,000 worth. So they weren't giving up easy and they figured I knew where it was. And it was a long, it was a long time. And it's forever changed me now. I'm uh anyway. So that's like the rock bottom, right? Like that's as bad as it gets at this point in my life. I you know, things things never got worse than that. And then and so after that, I I left that town and went back to the city that I was that I'd come in from and fell off the radar, you know, so my blog followers or whatever that's where I was right I was getting high again but rarely you know I I should say rarely I'd probably get high once a day but I you know I much more of my time was spent sober than not but I was so fucked up over it all you know and then um yeah dad got sick and though I didn't make it back to the city I'm in mean, now in time to, to say goodbye to him you know When I got here, I decided to stay because both the town and that city that those things happened in are constant reminders, constant, like everywhere I go, everywhere I look, I think of some of the things that happened. And, you know, whether it's thinking about losing access to my, my ex-girlfriend's son or all of that intense violence, I just, you know, things are what they are now. So it's, it's changed me and I, and I just can't go back to those places and, I'm really glad that my mom was able to come out this way. So getting back to my original point, I want to go back to something a little happier here because this sucks to talk about. Um, When I got back to my hometown, my home city, it's taken me a while to reconnect with people. And, and, well, this podcast has helped with that quite a bit, actually. And these people that I reconnect with, whether it's not a Barbie foot face, are done right or fuck around and find out, all of them, you know, read. I was such an asshole for thinking that, you know, for not giving them enough credit to, to, to know that these people were still my friends, right? Um, well, oh shit, I better mention the cleaner in there too. <laughs> he's, he's been a pretty big part of my life for the last year, as you know, I'm not in person, of course, we're in different cities, but, um, through, you know, support, whatever. But addicts, we don't give the credit to the people in our lives like we should. And, and you know, so that's why at the end of my episodes, I always talk about you know, reaching out and letting people know you love them and whatever, because it's, we know, but we don't know. You know, we convince ourselves differently and whatever. Whatever the demons got to tell us, right? Whatever whatever they got to do to make us go back into to getting more dope and staying in that lifestyle until it fucking kills us, right? But my friends have every single one of them, and family included. Like I've, I've not messaged one person who has said, "Yeah, no, we're done with you," right? Like not one, not one person has done that. Every single person has just been legitimately and sincerely happy to hear from me and and concerned, right? And how fucking cool is that? How cool is that? I alienated every single person that's ever cared about me, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally. I did that. And not one person, not one of them has done it in return. So I owe a a debt, of pretty big gratitude to, to a lot of people that way. And I am not done reconnecting. I haven't reached out to everybody yet. And um, it's funny because telling these stories makes me think about people quite a bit. And, and more people that I want to reach out to and, and no doubt we'll have the same reaction, you know, genuine, sincere care and wondering what's going on and concerned about how I'm doing. You know, So I'm, I'm very lucky, very lucky man. So as I was tasked with taking a, or getting a takeaway from, from all of my stories and that wasn't, well, that was my story, I guess. So it counts as a story, right? Even if it's not a funny one. The, the takeaway from it again is, I mean, obviously stay the hell out of the lifestyle, right? Uh, if you're not in the lifestyle or, or just beginning to get into the lifestyle, let me tell you, it doesn't get any better. Uh, one in a hundred drug dealers makes it more than a year and one in a thousand makes it more than two. So uh, I don't know that those are the stats, but, um, been around for a long time, and let me tell you, it's a real thing, you know. Those those are kind of the stats, right? Um, and and I should say here as well, um, I mentioned the red tag committee last time, and I'm gonna keep peppering it in until we have a chance to do a round table with, with at least um, fuck around and find out if not Mr. Clean as well, and, and maybe some others in there too, right? But uh, the cleaner, sorry, not Mr. Clean. Red tag committee that's when they really showed up for me is when I decided to get my shit together and what they stand for and what they're all about is it's the coolest thing. And fuck around and find out, I'll be honest, was the last person that I ever would have suspected, you know, back when we were seventeen, I never would have seen this coming, but he's building a movement and that movement has has proven to be very powerful and very awesome and I'm so lucky to to be a part of it so I need to find a takeaway from this and I think this one's pretty easy and pretty self explanatory if if you're in active addiction um, they still care Your your family still loves you your friends are still wondering what's going on with you and reach out because I'm telling you man they're there and the other side of that, not the other side, but the other part about that is if you are just beginning to get into the drug lifestyle or are thinking about it or whatever, I'm here to tell you it leads to nothing good, nothing good at all. Eventually it will fuck your life up and eventually, eventually delete your soul. So so don't please let's talk about gratitudes now, guys. Um, I encourage each and every one of you to list your gratitudes every single day, Uh, taking stock of your gratitudes, it's proven to improve your relationships, it's proven to give you a more positive outlook on life, it's proven to help you deal with adversity better. There is nothing bad and everything good about focusing on the positive parts of your life. With that said, um, my first gratitude today isn't going to be what I thought it was when I started this episode. It, it's it's going to be you guys, and, and here's why. I have not been able to talk about the things that I've talked about in this episode with more than a very small handful of people. I find it very, very hard to, to talk in person about it. And as weird as it has been through this podcast, getting used to talking to myself, this is the time right now where it was easier, and I kind of feel like a weight's off my shoulders for for telling some of my story. So that's an easy number one. Um, And number two, and quick side note about my gratitudes, they are never in order of importance. They're just, I got to put a list together, right? So they have to come out in some order. And that's important to say, because number two is, uh, is a shout out to Dunright and, and, and his wife. Um, She didn't come down for the visit today, but Dunright did. And I had an awesome time. Not reconnecting with them. It's been, I think it was 2005 was the last time we saw each other. So it's the better part of 20 years. And it was so cool to reconnect with them. And, and they gave me a, um, a present too for my podcast, another headset and a really fucking great quality one. So when I get that new one on Monday that that donation last night covered, I'm going to be set up for like an interview style now with with two good recording devices and that makes my heart like really happy because uh, once we start getting interviews on this podcast, I, I, I'm just so excited for that process because the back and forth is going to be fantastic. That will segue nicely into number three. So I'm going to call her trail mix. And this is a person who I have never met face to face to this day, but she is a, like a, huge part of why I am such a believer in, in gratitudes back when I had my blog going last year, I had started talking about gratitudes daily and, and I had asked my, my readers to submit the, their, their, gratitude lists, um, whether it was, you know, on the Facebook page or whether it was on, you know, um, like in a personal message to me and this lady trail mix, and you'll see why in a second, she, figured out who my mom was because um, in the town I was in in the way the blog was written it was pretty easy to do that and and she put together this care package for me out at random you know I'd mentioned that I was struggling financially and um, in one of the blog posts so she put together this care, care package there was socks and underwear and some random things but uh, what I really remember is this bag of trail mix so hence the nickname trail mix but the other thing she did that was so cool was she had written me this letter about how addiction had affected her life. And though she's never been a drug addict, um, she's been affected by it in a really bad way and multiple times in her life. And it, we've talked quite a bit via text since. And But on the back of the list was... And, and this is a handwritten letter, right? When's the last time you got one of those? And on the back of the list were her gratitudes, uh, and like her personal gratitudes, and and she had also thanked me for for helping her understand the addict's mind. And I I thought i bald, I'm not ashamed to say it when I read it. And to this day, um, she is the number one reason that that I preach gratitudes in, in at the end of all of my my episodes and the reason I kept that out with the blogs and then the reason that I list them off to myself as well because it was just such a powerful thing to get this fucking trail mix and this handwritten letter right so uh, she is going to be um, on the show eventually I got to get past the tech side here of figuring out how to do that over the phone because we do live in different provinces but I'm I'm super excited for this for this to happen and I, I hope that I can make it happen sooner than later I I I what I really got to do is get focused here because I'm like so excited about like this person and this person, and that person coming on and, and doing this podcast with me. And I think it's going to really, you know, help the show and, and improve the content. And I think you guys are going to absolutely love it. Right. Um, a lot of these interviews that, that I've been talking about and, and planning for, for the near and, and, and distant future are characters in the story. Right. So you're going to get to meet, fuck around and find out you're going to get to meet the cleaner. You're going to get to meet done right, one of these days, trail mix, uh, not a Barbie foot face. I mean, she was a, a, really a part of the whole addiction lifestyle, but she's just such a fucking wild character that I would be, I, I'd be remiss for not putting her on. Right. So anyway, um, that's my third list, uh, my third gratitude. And I, I'm going to leave my gratitudes at that today because those are the three huge ones for me. And I think that's enough. And it's my podcast. and I'm allowed to do what I want. So with all that said, guys, if you are in active addiction, I can't say this enough. I'll say the beginning and end of every episode, please reach out to somebody and find a family member, a friend, a professional helpline, a detox, do whatever you need to do to start that, that journey, the that lifelong journey of healing because it really is better on this side, guys. It's so much better. If you are the loved one of an addict, you just took the time to listen to what is my longest podcast. Take the time to text that person. Tell them they're loved. Use the words, you are loved. It's my personal favorite. Um, give them a little bit of hope because it just might be the mama, thing I got that got bad, bad news. I've been rolling with some bad news. Bad dudes. I've been trying to get a bag to A bag to. I'm just doing what I have to. I have to. I said, mama, I got bad news. Bad moods every day. Brand new. Tattoos on my face. Sad dude. Where the headphones? just wanna make it rain mama i will be okay i feel like i'm my break right now i feel like making fuck a fucking mistake right now Ew. i just need a cake right now i blow all the candles in my brains right now Ew. i'm so tired of flexing i got a minor confession like i might die from depression like whoa